Hey, welcome to this episode of the Hillside Church Podcast. We wanted to start recording more content and conversations as an effort to try to encourage and equip our church midweek. We hope to cover a variety of topics as well as hear from others in our church. And today we are continuing our series on discipleship. Um, before we dive into the topic of the day, what is one thing that uh, is bringing you joy lately? Mm. Or like, what's the most fun thing you've done? I was afraid life? you were going to ask that. Well, you you go first. Because <laughs> you don't have any? <laughs> I just need more time. Okay. Um, I would say at the top of my brain, which is where my amygdala is located... That's the, I don't think that's true. Yeah. The pituitary gland. My top frontal top cortex. Right. Um, okay. Last night we went to a softball game with our friends. Yeah. And then we went to pizza after. That was the fun. That, that was, was one of the more fun things. I don't know. We this don't summer. usually stay out this that late because mm. we got little kids. Mm-hmm. But we stayed out late with our little kids and we just all had so much fun. Yeah. So yeah. two things come to mind and one is not so lame. The other maybe is a little bit lame, but we've been camping this summer at Union Grove. That was a lot of fun. Shout out. Shout out to the Grove. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, Dan, I went for a little run this morning, even though I clearly said in church on Sunday that it's not dignified for it's a man to, to run. run. Yeah. But it was like, it was seven-ish. And maybe 65 degrees. Oh, it's glorious. I don't, I mean, I'm not talking about the run, but just it was a nice way to start the morning. So you ran seven ish miles? It was seven ish in the morning. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. I ran about a seven minute quarter mile. Okay. Is that it? Camping, I'm running. I'm saying I found some joy in that. Just Atta the boy. timing, the weather. It was like your it. question. So we're continuing to talk about discipleship. And guys, uh, please go on our website um, under resources and find the discipleship guide that we created to try to help give some tools and scripture and understanding of discipleship. Um, I'll also put it in the show notes, but please utilize that resource. We made it for you guys, for Hillside, uh, to just help people find a way to get started in discipleship. So um, yes, please find that on our website or in the show notes, but continuing our series on discipleship, um, I want to kind of hone in on discipleship relationships, mm-hmm. like who disciples who, Yeah, or is it whom? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's whom when it's the object <laughs> of the sentence, uh, like who disciples who, who, if somebody's looking to get involved in discipleship yeah, or like wants to disciple someone or move into that sort of a relationship what should they like be looking for yeah those sorts of things so but but before we get into maybe like practicals we've kind of touched on this a little on our last episode so these will overlap a little bit yeah our last episode was kind of unscripted just like from the heart um but to, today maybe we can just start with like who disciples who or whose responsibility is discipleship yeah can i can we backspace a couple couple backspaces you may 
Um, just in case someone skipped the last episode. Mm. Can Did, you do that? Will you define discipleship? Yeah. As as succinctly as possible, just a sentence, but if that's possible. I think the way we've the simple definition we've used was discipleship is helping others follow Jesus. Yeah, that's good. In its most basic form. Mm-hmm. So um now with that definition in mind, whose responsibility is discipleship? Mm-hmm. That's a question for you. Yeah. Well, it's the disciples' responsibility to disciple. So if you're a follower of Christ, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel and teach them mm-hmm. everything that I've commanded you. And so anyone who follows Christ would then wear the hat of both disciple, but also discipler. Mm-hmm. Some people are farther along. So it's, you know, there's maybe black belts in discipleship, although the black belts in discipleship are the ones that feel like they have the farthest to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I guess I would say anyone who has given their life to Christ is now in the position to help other people follow Christ. Mm -hmm. I agree. I wonder why it can be easy to not take that very seriously though. Yeah. Where we can maybe be in church, be followers of Christ for a long time without ever taking a step into engaging in discipleship or or helping others come along in discipleship. Maybe it's a, I feel like I don't know enough yet kind of thing. But don't you think it's probably us who lead that maybe put the reins on a little bit too heavy, not in a bad way. I think to our credit, Hey, let's not have you mentor someone or disciple someone until you know Mm. why we baptize people who have given their life to Christ and not infants or why we, you know, we try and protect our doctrine. And so then we tell people you're not capable of discipleship until you have 30 hours of Bible credits. Mm and are licensed, then we can let you do that. Right. And I don't think that's bad either, but um, but I do think sometimes the um, hurdle to discipling is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I'm kind of torn because obviously you do want to to the due diligence of protecting For doctrine sure. and, and yeah. all these things. But at the same time, we don't want to keep people out of the game, you know, but people don't have to try to be teaching things they don't understand. Exactly. Either. Yeah. Can you articulate the gospel in a simple way? Do you understand the gospel? Right. And can you lead out of that, like lead yeah. somebody in that, you know, or can you help someone love God? Yeah. Or love their neighbor. Yeah. Well, and we talk about this some, and we will a lot more, but one of our core values that we're really kind of hammering out right now is um, uh, life on mission. Mm -hmm. So, you know, your ministry is wherever your feet are. Mm -hmm. And so I think from a church standpoint, discipleship, it, we should be a little more tight-fisted with like, okay, you're going to teach this class or we're going to yeah. give this young person a, a person to be discipled by. Mm-hmm. Well, that person that we choose to disciple a young believer is hopefully has a lot of 
life experience and then also growth, faith, growth in their faith, you know? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that like when we are early Christians or young in our faith that we don't have a ministry because we still are moms and dads that live Mm -hmm. at home or we go to work or we go to school or whatever. And so uh, discipleship, not only does it not have to look exactly like it does in a program, Mm -hmm. um, but discipleship isn't necessarily, I'm trying to think of a good word. Um, Yeah, it's just not, it doesn't have to be program driven. I think in the church, it always is going to be and probably should be in a lot of ways. But then outside of the program of the church, how do we encourage our people to be disciplers Mm -hmm. everywhere? Mm -hmm. Are there any like best practices or recommendations for that you'd give for someone who's looking to disciple someone else? Like what should they be looking for? Mm. So if someone's like, okay, I didn't realize I have not been living into discipleship. I need to get serious about this. Who do I disciple? Yeah. What would be like just some like real basic best practices or things to consider when like trying to prayerfully yeah. find someone to come alongside? Yeah. Uh, I'd be curious to know. I mean, I definitely have thoughts on this, but I'd be curious to know your thoughts before I jump all over it. Yeah. A couple things that come to mind are, and maybe we can talk about this one of these um, after this a little more, but. One, I think just looking, well, okay, a few things. One, looking for somebody that's younger in the faith. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean younger in age, although a lot of times it does. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but somebody that's younger in the faith or similar in the faith mm-hmm. that you can come alongside. You yeah. know, and you see this like in Titus 2, um, have the older women teach the younger women, stuff like that. So there's a, there's a level of experience that they're able to witness from and share from with mm-hmm. the younger women. So general rule, you know, find somebody that's younger in age or younger in faith, mm-hmm. um, especially younger in faith. Secondly, don't overlook just like your local church mm. or your community group or, yeah. you know, whatever sort of ministry you're in. Is there somebody in your group that you could come alongside and you guys could get together to go through a book of the Bible or pray together, serve somewhere together, something like that. And then lastly, and after, after you answer me, we'll touch, we'll touch on this for a little bit, but our families mm-hmm. don't overlook our own families. Yeah. Talking to parents. But I think before we should be really getting all eager to disciple the nations uh, we should be discipling in our own home. Yeah. And that doesn't mean have to mean something crazy extravagant. It can be mm-hmm. simple and maybe we'll we'll touch on that in a little bit. But yeah, so summarize, I would say somebody younger in the faith or similar in the faith yeah. journey as you. You look at the places you're already involved, already have relationships, such as your local church, and um don't overlook your your own kids, spouse, yeah. anything like that. <clears throat> Anything to add? Yeah, one that came to mind mind instantly was um, I think people that you connect with too. Mm. Um, Something that I have found over the years as a pastor is when I reach out to someone to be intentional with in terms of discipleship, if we don't have a connecting point ever, Mm -hmm. 
it is a lot harder for that person to engage in a process with me of like growing connect. Uh, what do you mean by connecting point? Um, well, okay. Here's how I would say it is anytime someone has approached me and said, Robbie, would you disciple me? Mm-hmm. I know a hundred percent like for a fact that they are engaged because they're reaching out to me. Now I'm not saying that that's the only way for it to happen, but like, if they're interested in hanging out with me, then I think things could go better. Mm. And so I, this isn't like a, every single time it has to look this way, but maybe start looking for someone to disciple that you already have relationship with. Yeah. Or in like a connection or there's some kind of connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, uh, yeah. And and potentially that happens with a couple of like, Hey, do you want to have lunch? Do you want to go for a walk? Something Mm -hmm. like that before it is, Hey, can I invest in you spiritually? Right. Um, I think sometimes that, and in the church, but wherever discipleship happens, so probably just in the church, but sometimes we will put a lot of pressure on the linear part of discipleship. Like, let me get this person to this point and then to this point and then to this point. Um, and we forget that, uh, when we make a person a program, they're like less, there's less of a desire for them to. Mm-hmm. to engage with us mm-hmm. the flip side of that is if we never get to a point of deeper life then we're really just hanging out right and so we you know you don't want to go there either but i guess yeah where are your connections is maybe yeah. something i would ask when i'm thinking about discipling people that's good because yeah the bad the, the flip side is like you could yeah turn a person into a program right and because maybe you do it so that you feel better about I'm active in discipleship, but really you're not right. really loving that person. Right. You're kind of, they're your pawn sort of, right. so to speak. Uh, well, and we become program driven. Yeah. So we look at someone and think, okay, they're a follower of Christ now, but they're living with their girlfriend. So I'm going to tell them you're outside of the will of God mm-hmm. in that relationship, which true. But there's no relationship to support that. Aren't you living with your girlfriend? Yeah. (laughs) Me? Yeah, I am. But I'm married to her too. Oh. Yeah. Date your mate. Yeah. Uh, And maybe that's, I mean, I don't think, I don't think that's a wrong statement to make, but it's, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, when people become programs, that's usually when we we push them away. Yeah. When there's no relationship to support. Because discipleship is can be hard, yeah, you know, messy, yeah, yeah, and and I was just thinking too, like anytime Micah, my son, who doesn't listen to this podcast, so I, I don't owe him five dollars for shouting him out, but mm. anytime he opens up to me, it's when we have time together. It's not, it, but it's not like a sit down at a table and like, hey, let's review these proverbs. Mm-hmm. Um, though that's a good thing too, but I think healthy discipleship includes relationship. Um, okay. Let's press into that a little bit more and we'll kind of end on this topic of like family discipleship. Mm -hmm. I never really, I was in the church for a long time before I ever learned much about family discipleship. So it's possible that might be a new concept for people. Yeah. 
Um, but just the idea of like our first ministry is our kids yeah. or our families. They're your built-in <laughs> ministry. Mm-hmm. And so they're your little, you know, disciples. And so um, what can it look like or where should someone start a um, in family discipleship if they're not already, if this is a new concept or maybe they're just have a desire to take it more seriously? Yeah. What would you say? Not as, you know, there's no, not one size fits all, but just like, right. what are some simple ways to take some steps towards it? Yeah. Yeah. This might not sound like discipleship. I, it just sort of dawned on me as you were asking that question. Just now? Yeah. Ooh, this is going to be good. This yeah. is fresh off the press of Rob receivers and yeah. brain. Pre- usually pretty dangerous moments, but, uh, so this might not sound like intentional dis- discipleship, but. Um, I think that the very first step in discipling your kids is you are growing in your relationship with Christ. Mm. So, like some of the most profound moments for me growing up were seeing my parents reading the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little less maybe intentional at the kid, but if they don't believe that that's a huge deal to you, mm-hmm. then what is the, you know, the yeah. five minute devotional before you shove them out the car to go to school? Yeah. You know? And I'm not saying that's bad, but it, I just, I was just thinking, I, I think a really high value for parents should be, I'm going to read my Bible every day at a certain point. And it mm-hmm. doesn't mean like, Hey, Hey guys, come here and watch this, but <laughs> they just see you doing life because they know my kids know I value Nebraska football because mm-hmm. <laughs> I talk about it and I watch it and I wear yeah. the t-shirts and you know, yeah. I hope that they know that I value the reading of the scriptures. Sometimes that happens way before they're awake. I have teenagers, but they through their life have hopefully seen me at every day mm-hmm. with God's word, you know, mm-hmm. So I guess I would say, practically speaking, I would start there with your own personal reading of the word. Yeah, modeling. Mm-hmm. The hard part about our kids being little disciples is they see it all. <laughs> you yeah. know, they see you when you're on stage. Yeah. But they also see you when you're frustrated at home, you know, and all these everywhere in between. Yeah. Um, so I think that's key. I agree. Uh, practically think uh, speaking. Yeah. One, my kids are little, so I'm, I'm, I don't feel qualified to speak towards these things, but things I've read or, or learned from others is one, I think, you know, you can raise the bar as high as you want. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, but I would hate to, for somebody to be discouraged because they feel like they don't have the resources or time or knowledge to properly disciple their kids. And so I would just say start small. Yeah. Like what's something small? So so start small, but be um, consistent. Like what's one thing you can do with one of your kids or as a family or with your spouse? Um, it doesn't have to be an hour long thing. What's something you could do regularly that's five minutes? Again, it's just intentionality in those relationships. 
So say you're, if we're doing something with our kids, okay, what's one spiritual question I can ask them about, or what's one, can we do a family, a short family devotional once a week? You know, things like those, you can take it as far as you want. If you want to, you know, take your family to Israel and do a tour of the Holy mm-hmm. Land, you know, mm-hmm. which I would love to do. That sounds amazing. Um, but also just where you with Emmett. Well, once he's a little <laughs> older, he'd be jumping off of everything and destroying the tomb. Yeah. He'd probably. Yeah. yeah. And I think even for a young family, like even just getting your kids inter- interested in the Bible, that you virgin Bible app for kids. Mm-hmm is a good one. Yeah. There's stories. It's interactive. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to, there was another thing I was going to, or we just mention. got the Jesus storybook Bible. Yeah. I think is what it's called for, mm-hmm. you know, our kid, our oldest is four. Yeah. And that's an appropriate book yeah. for his age, which is really good. I actually learn a lot from it because yeah. it simplifies things a lot. Well, and then there's, uh, our kids ministry director, Laurel is, is going to start a family resource wall downstairs, which will be Mm. open in the fall, but with books that are appropriate for kids to help learn about good things. And so that's another, um, option. I think that another thing to be aware of is that starting anywhere feels awkward. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's something you don't normally do, it just feels weird and, an example for me would be this last year, we decided that our kids would put their devices in our room on a charger at mm-hmm. eight o'clock at night and that the, they just, they're gone until they're done with school the next day. Um, and homework. I mean, we just had some other rules and at first it was awkward and frustrating for our kids. Cause we had to sort of pull back and change things. But over time, uh, we realized that our kids actually really liked it. We didn't even have to ask them to do it. They mm-hmm. would put their device away. And I think the same is true when it comes to like a family devotional time or whatever. It takes a while for that beca- to become the pattern. Yeah. But then it becomes something that you love to do together. And yeah. that's when your kids open up and all of that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I think even just being aware that starting the discipleship process can feel a little clunky yeah sputtery yeah what are we doing but i think just being committed to we're gonna honor god as a family we're gonna start small he will bless that yep so don't be discouraged if you haven't been doing any of these rhythms and all of a sudden you tell your kids hey we're doing a family devotional it might be crazy and awkward and clunky but keep going yep so We'll uh, wrap up there. Yeah, just encourage you guys to consider prayerfully if there's anyone um, you could be discipling. And if if not someone in the church, maybe somebody in your own home if you're not already. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back uh, in a few weeks probably with another episode talking more about kind of organic life on life discipleship and what that can look like. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hillside Church Podcast. We will be back next time continuing our conversation on the topic of discipleship.